there's no greater feeling. This is such a special honor. And I think it's one of the greatest honors that, of my life, definitely up until this point, to be able to lead this team. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. Last week, I was, I was driving around, and typically when I'm driving, I'm listening to sports radio or I'm listening to a podcast. And sometime last week, I don't remember when it was, but I was driving around and I was listening to this radio show. And this host, this idiot, was talking about how the Packers should be worried about the Rams and the Rams are a tough matchup for the Packers and they can run the ball and throw the ball underneath and they have a good secondary to cover Adams. Just blah, 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 blah. Driving around last week, this idiot talking about how the Rams could beat the Packers and the Packers should be scared. of. Oh, that was me. Yeah, that was me who thought the Rams would be a tough matchup for the Packers. And you know what? I still think they're a tough matchup for the Packers and it didn't matter. Because the Packers are that good. They're that much better than everybody else right now. 32 to 18, the Packers won on Saturday. But you know that. You don't need me to re- report the scores and the stats to you. Let's talk about it. Let's enjoy it. And let's look forward to the upcoming NFC Championship game against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. My God. The the TV executives at Fox, they just have to be they just have to be rubbing their rubbing their hands together. They're gonna go out buy a yacht. They're gonna go out and <laughs> buy a new car everybody's gonna be watching next weekend Tom Brady Aaron Rodgers to go to the Super Bowl at Lambeau and it looks like it might snow oh this is gonna be great this is gonna be great but we have all week to talk about the upcoming NFC championship game let's let's revel a little bit what what do you say let's enjoy what happened on Saturday uh and let's appreciate what happened before we start looking forward so let's do that the Packers won 32 to 18 let's get into it it's the Wisco Sports Show my name is Grant Bills And uh, you have come to the right place. You are in the right spot because as Packer fans or as just listeners of the Wisco Sports Show, maybe you're a Bears fan, maybe you're a Lions fan, Vikings fan, maybe you're, I don't know, maybe you're something something really weird like a Jacksonville Jaguars fan. Whatever the case may be, welcome. And you are in the right place because we are going to spend the next hour and 55 minutes really just enjoying and appreciating and complimenting, right? A lot of good energy on the show today. I'm not looking to rip Mike Pettin not looking to talk about how maybe they could have drafted somebody other than Jordan Love, or maybe they could have done something in the trade. No, 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 no. We might have time to do this this offseason, and we've talked about those things throughout the season, but today, no, no, no. For the next hour and 55 minutes, we're just going to enjoy, and we're going to be happy, and we're going to compliment what went well on Saturday. We're going to talk about the good stuff. We're just going to be fans. We're going to be very, very much fans today. So if you're looking for a <clears throat> objective, a statistical-based, evidence-based radio host Grant, There'll be a little bit of that, but we're going to be fans today because this team is is something special. And I would love to hear your thoughts and get your takes. 608-796-2558. I will take your texts all throughout the show. Um, I'll open up the phone lines for calls here in about 15 minutes. I want to I want to kind of get the show going before I work you guys in. Otherwise, we end up talking about something weird and the show gets off the tracks and, and you know how it is, which is why radio is great. But let's get our feet under us first. 608-796-2558. That's the talk and text line. Taking your text all show long. Like I said, I'll open the phones up here in about 12 or 15 minutes. Naturally, we got to talk about Devontae Adams versus Jalen Ramsey. We spent hours on that last week. So I, I feel like if we didn't talk about that at all today. That would be kind of kind of a waste. It'd be kind of dumb. So we'll get to that coming up in 15 minutes. Talk about the running game. We'll talk about some of the other games that happened this weekend, too. They were all great. Even if they weren't close, they were all interesting. 
So we'll do that. We'll talk about uh, some draft picks and free agent signings made in the last year or two or three by uh, Brian Gutekinst. They played really, really well on Saturday and have really played well down the stretch this year. And we'll hear from Aaron Rodgers a little bit as well. That's kind of the rundown we have now until 6 o'clock. Uh, let's, let's stop wasting time. What am I even talking about? Let's, let's get into this game. I, I think this game followed the recipe that a lot of us expected. You know, taking your texts and taking your calls and your predictions, but also reading uh, the work of smart football people and people who are in the line of like sports betting, pe- smart people who predict these things, but also football analysts on TV and on the radio. I-, I think this game transpired like a lot of us thought it would. Fairly predictable, right? Packers get the ball first. They jump out to a lead. And Jared Goff, who's limited as it is, also has a broken thumb. Jared Goff can't really create big plays, explosive plays, enough to mount a comeback, at least certainly not at Lambeau Field and certainly not in the playoffs. Jared Goff was was fine. But he wasn't enough of a plus. He, he wasn't enough of a factor for the Rams to climb out of a hole. And they fell in a hole early like a lot of people expected. And that's why this game went like a lot of people expected. And the Packers were able to win by multiple scores. Jared Goff, he was fine, but he didn't do enough. Kind of the same with Mitchell Trubisky in Week 17. Which is why I compared that Week 17 game to the Bears quite a bit. The Rams are a better version of the Bears. They operate similarly they they enacted similar game plans against the Packers, but Jared Goff wasn't that much better than Mitchell Trubisky, and Cam Akers wasn't that much better than David Montgomery for it to make a difference, and the Packers ended up winning anyways. For contrast between Rodgers and Goff, this is what I'm talking about. Rodgers didn't have the most efficient day. Now, he had some big plays, but he also had some misses here and there. Rodgers finished the game with 23 completions for 296 yards. Jared Goff had 21 completions for 174 yards. That's two fewer completions and 122 fewer yards. That just goes to show you. Jared Goff was completing passes and he was being efficient, but he didn't have enough splash plays, enough big plays for the Rams to be able to climb out of a deficit and compete with such a great offense at Lambeau Field. And the Rams' defense is okay. They, they were fine. They gave up 32 points, but but they were fine, I think, given the circumstances. And the running game was pretty good. I mean, Cam Akers had five yards per carry. And the Packers made it interesting, especially in the second half. I Petten, it sometimes pulled back a little bit more than I would have liked. It, it seems sometimes, as soon as the Packers get a 10-point lead, Mike Petten just goes full prevent, which I which I don't like. I would like for them to be a little bit gutsier. Um but the Packers won by multiple scores, right? We're, we're splitting hairs here. Rodgers missed some throws, like I said. He wasn't super precise, but he was good enough, including that one big bomb to Lazard. Lazard also dropped what could have been a big play. Rodgers missed MVS on what should have been a touchdown, right? So there are things that they'll correct and, and improvements to be made over the next week. But by and large, this game went how a lot of us expected. Packers jump out to a lead, and the Rams just weren't good enough to play from behind, especially with a banged-up Aaron Donald and a banged-up Jared Goff. So with a 32-18 to win, the Packers are now headed back to the NFC Championship game for, what is this, the fourth time in the last six years. They went in 2014, 2016, and 2019. So I don't, I don't know, is that, is that four times in six years, four times in five years? Whatever it is. You get my point. They've been there quite a few times in the last half decade or so. And I, I can't speak to 2014 because I, I don't remember certain details of that season as closely. But I can speak to 2016, and I can certainly speak to last year. This team in 2020 feels nothing like the team in 2016. And this team in 2020 feels a level above 
last year. Now, I don't compare the 2016 Packers and the 2019 Packers because they were a lot better in 2019. 2016 was a very fluky year. Aaron Rodgers played like an MVP and willed that team to the championship round. That team wasn't very good. Last year's Packers team was pretty good, but they're not as good as they are now. And I don't think the 2019 Packers were as good as the 2014 Packers either. Another NFC championship team. I want to start this show by just kind of appreciating this team and this special season that we are enjoying as fans. And this special season, I I thought on Saturday night was elevated by having fans, right? And there were just some cool images post-game and and even in the game too. And you see them kind of littered around social media from accounts like, you know, the Packers, for example, tweeted out a bunch of videos. And it was really cool that the Packers were able to have, even if it was only seven, 8,000 fans, it was cool that they were able to have a presence at this game because we got the MVP chant at the end and Rodgers running off the field with his fist in the air looking at the crowd. Or when Rodgers runs in the touchdown after pump faking Leonard Floyd, right, can throw that ball into the crowd and look up and see fans. I I thought the fans were a really, really nice added touch, even if it was only 8,000, although some of the Packers players and reporters who were there will tell you that those 8,000 fans were really, really loud. They were banging stuff on the bleachers and because there weren't 70,000 fans, there were only 8,000, that sound could actually like reverberate around the metal bleachers, and it wasn't all you know sucked up by puffy jackets and big gloves. So interesting. I'm not going to argue that 8,000 people were louder than 70,000, but they held their own and really added a layer, added an element to this game. right? And Aaron Rodgers talked a little bit about that after the game, and we'll hear from him throughout the show. I, I can confidently say for the first time since 2014, it will be a major letdown. Not a bummer, not too bad, so sad, try again next year. It will be a major letdown if this team doesn't make the Super Bowl. And if they lose next week, I will cry like a baby. Not like, oh, I lost a family member or like, I, I, you know, not that kind of cry, but like a sports cry. You know the cry I'm talking about where you just sit in your chair and you just stare into nothing and you have that little tear. Like that, that's what I'm talking about. I'm not going to ball my eye. Well, we'll see. I hope I don't ball my eyes out. I'll get a good sports cry in. We've had these every once in a while. Heck, I almost cried tears of joy on Saturday night. I love this team. I love this team so much. And for the first time, I think in six or seven years, the expectation is the Super Bowl. Not, I hope they get there. I hope they get a good matchup. Maybe get lucky and squeak in. No. The NFC is the Packers conference to lose right now, especially playing at home next week and especially having a couple of fans. And Aaron Rodgers postgame, and I wanted to share this to start the show because we're talking about good feelings and enjoying a great team. And we'll get into the X's and O's and the matchups and every little detail that made this game tick on Saturday night because it's a fascinating game. But I thought we'd start the show in in broad terms, big picture. Aaron Rodgers talking about having fans back in the stands for the first time all year, at least more than you know a couple hundred friends and family, and the difference that made in what was an already really special game advancing to the NFC title game, but the fans just made it that much better. Oh, man. Talk about just pure joy running out of that tunnel. Um, you know, we've had a few hundred for a couple games, but it felt like 50,000 when we ran out of the tunnel. It really did. It was such a special moment. Uh, forgot how much you truly, truly miss having a crowd there. And obviously that wasn't, you know, a normal, like last year against Seattle type of crowd, but it felt like 50, 60,000. It really did. Uh, there's no, it's hard to really put into words how special that feeling is, uh, but you can feel it. It's so palpable. You can feel the energy of the stadium. and It's just different. It's different playing in front of a crowd. It really is. It's just a little more special and obviously more sweet. 
I never want Aaron Rodgers to not be a Packer. I don't know if I can handle it. This season has been just, it's been damn amazing, hasn't it? And I and I know some of you are probably a little bit older than me, so you can speak to, especially the earlier years with Favre, or maybe even into the 70s and 80s, which I know you can't be a true Packer fan if you don't understand how bad they were in the 70s and 80s. Oh, God, they used to be terrible. You better enjoy this, you little spoiled kid. Okay, calm down. I've never felt this way about Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers is my favorite football player of all time. It will take Jesus Christ reincarnate in cleats to get me to like a player more than I like Aaron Rodgers. And this season has just, it's just locked it in. He's having fun. He's been likable and long-winded in interviews. He's been more public. He's been more honest. He's having fun and smiling and laughing during games and celebrating with teammates for the first time since like 2012. He's become the best version of himself. I won't say a different version of himself. He's become the perfect version of himself. And the team is feeding off that energy. And I think that that is part of their success. He talked in his postgame presser about really just accepting a positive attitude all the time and speaking things into existence and changing his mindset. It might just be as simple as Aaron Rodgers tweaking his mindset. And that's why he seems like a different player this year. And I do think his slight disposition has changed this team. It has helped this team for the better. His slight change in disposition, excuse me. So number one seed, before we take a break, he's looking forward to hosting his first ever NFC championship game next weekend. This is what Aaron Rodgers had to say about that. It means a lot. And Jordy and I talked about it years ago. Uh, and a lot of starts in this league without being able to be a part of uh, hosting an NFC championship. Now, I remember what it felt like in 2007, especially after we watched uh, the Giants beat Dallas. You know, and us and Dallas are kind of, we thought, were the two best teams in the NFC that year. Giants beat them. We felt really good about uh, uh, hosting and our chances. That was a really, really cold game. Uh, for sure. Um, hopefully it's a little colder than it was tonight, but um, the fans were special. The energy was special tonight, and there is a home field advantage. And just the, um, the fact that we had to host. Um, but it is it is meaningful to have uh, fans at the game. Hopefully we can get even more if, uh, if this worked out. I'm sure Mark will have some sort of uh, announcement and team at some point in the next few days. But it'll be exciting uh, to enjoy this tonight, to celebrate, and then to watch the game tomorrow and to know that uh, whoever wins is coming our place. Didn't it feel good yesterday to watch Saints-Buccaneers knowing, all right, whichever one of these these jokers wins, they got to come play at Lambeau Field. That's a good feeling. And I'm a, I'm a fan. I live hours away from Lambeau Field. Imagine how those players feel and those coaches feel. It, it seems to have a, a different energy and a different excitement level this year in comparison to 2019, 2016, maybe even back to 2014. And I think for those reasons, it's going to be absolutely crushing if the Packers can't get it done next week. But I don't want to talk about next week yet. Let's enjoy this game first. I want to talk about the big matchup, the matchup everybody couldn't shut up about last week. Jalen Ramsey versus Devontae Adams. Well, how, how did it actually go? Let's take an honest look at that matchup and continue to talk about this Packers 32-18 to divisional round win. Coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. Wisco Sports Show, rolling on. Packers got a win this weekend. Feels good. It's going to be a positive two hours. It's going to be a fun two hours. 
Really no heavy lifting today. We, we don't really have anyone to rip or anything to complain about. It's going to be a, a joyous, celebratory show. My name is Grant Bills. I'm your host. Find me on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. I did take a couple of shots last night at Drew Brees and the Saints. Because, I mean, come on. Come on. I have to. I have to. That was, that, was a, that was a tough way for Drew Brees to go out. Not trying to hate Drew Brees, but more so hate everybody that just really wants Drew Brees and the Saints to still be good, and they're just not. So that's why I was maybe appearing to tweet some hate, throw some shade on Twitter last night. They also played a Jimmy Buffett bumper last night during that game. Fox goes hard with their bumper music. A lot of Grateful Dead. There's a Jimmy Buffett song last night. Not even a super, super famous Buffett song. I'm not going to call it a deep cut. Volcano is not a it's not a deep cut, um, but it's it's middle of the road. Maybe we'll we'll have that song. I'll work that song into the show at some point. We'll have to listen to Volcano. And I know one of my listeners was um, reaching out on Twitter last night, a Buffett head or a parrot head, uh, excuse me, uh, like myself. So that was cool. They also played some Tedeschi trucks. Susan Tedeschi, that was really cool too. So shout out to Fox um, for their awesome choice of music last night. And the Buccaneers ended up winning, so they will play the Packers this upcoming weekend in the NFC title game. They're the early game on Sunday. So hopefully the Packers get a win and then we can just relax the rest of the day. Hopefully that's how it goes. Tweet at me at Wisco Grant, like I said, or text the show 608-796-2558. I thought because we spent all of last week talking about Ramsey Adams, we should we should probably follow up with that. You know, we should probably cover that today and I think we talked about it last week probably to an obnoxious extent I think everybody did. I think that's the problem is every single show I, I watched and I listened to and I heard that's all they were talking about so if you only watch or listen to one show it probably wasn't overbearing but if you're plugged into sports radio and tv all the time oh my god that's all anybody would mention and I was triggered by Daryl Johnston on Saturday night during this game the color commentator on Fox because he, he made a comment early on in this game. They were talking about Devontae Adams or the Packers passing attack or whatever. And Daryl Johnston said something to the effect of, this is not a direct quote, but he said something to the effect of, yeah, Adams and Rodgers, they're great, but don't forget about this Rams secondary with Jalen Ramsey. You're like, Daryl, I, w- I wish I could, man, but that's the only name I've heard f- for the last week. How could I forget about Jalen Ramsey in the secondary? Are you kidding me? Thanks. Thanks, Daryl. Um... Who, by the way, who came out on top in this game? Who won this matchup? Do we have a definitive answer? The answer that most people would probably say is Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams finished with nine catches for 66 yards on 10 targets. He did have a touchdown, too. His longest catch was only 21 yards, which for him isn't overbearing. For some wide receivers, that's a, that's a pretty solid night. That's a pretty basic game for Adams. I, I think the answer... Devontae Adams comes out on top in this matchup against Jalen Ramsey, but the game is kind of rigged in Devontae Adams' favor, isn't it? You know what I mean? Adams finished with with basically his floor, his baseline. I don't think there is a corner in the league who can go against a healthy Devontae Adams and hold Devontae to fewer than six or seven catches, 70 yards. And a touchdown may or may not happen. That's not always the work of the corner. Like, if, if the running game is going and, and the running backs are scoring touchdowns, that's that's not because Adams isn't open. That just means he didn't score. I, I think six to nine catches for 70 yards is about the baseline. That's about the floor for Devontae Adams. And I don't know if any cornerback in the league right now is capable of holding him beneath that. Unless a defensive coordinator seriously commits three or four guys to covering Adams on every play, he's going to get... Seven to nine catches for 70 yards. Now, Jalen Ramsey did very obviously, conspicuously, get cooked by Adams. 
when he ran that route on the one-yard line. It was in man coverage. Adam motions across the formation to identify that Ramsey's in man coverage and then just does a, a balls-to-the-wall sprint back to the pylon, and, and Rodgers got the ball there fast enough, and Jalen Ramsey couldn't fight through the safeties and, and the clutter on the way. Ramsey did get cooked by Adams on the one-yard line, but I, what do you want Jalen Ramsey to do in that situation? Like, that, that's not a winnable matchup for Jalen Ramsey. And Jalen Ramsey got cooked at the line of scrimmage a couple of times where Adams just beat him with his footwork, beat him with his route running. But I, I don't know that allowing nine catches for 66 yards and a touchdown is, a, is an embarrassing performance. I don't know if that's a terrible performance from Jalen Ramsey. The defense as a whole just wasn't good enough, and the Rams' offense certainly wasn't good enough either. I said this all of last week. Adams was set up for success. Ramsey was set up for failure. And that's not unique to this game. That's most NFL games. Cornerbacks are set up for failure. (laughs) Every play, a cornerback is trying to not fail. And a wide receiver is just trying to succeed. Right? There's this famous expression with uh, with cops. And I I don't know where I first heard this. Maybe I heard it. Maybe I heard it on TV. I'm not sure. But the expression is bad guys just have to get, uh, or uh, bad guys have to get lucky all the time. Cops only have to get lucky once when they catch the bad guy. Do you, you understand what I mean? Maybe I maybe I did see it on TV. Maybe it was NYPD Blue or with Dennis Franz and um, was it Billy Smith's? There's an old cop drama like that. Maybe that's where I heard it. Bad guys have to get lucky every time. Cops only have to get lucky once. And I think that dynamic applies really well to cornerbacks and wide receivers. If Devontae Adams runs a bad route, it's second down. Or or maybe the ball goes somewhere else and, and Al Lazard picks up a great play or Aaron Jones runs for a, a, a great gain. Right? If Devontae Adams runs a bad route, it's hardly the end of the world. In fact, it's the opposite. You can come back on the next play and try again. If Ramsey messes up one play, if he has a bad play, it's touchdown Packers and Jalen Ramsey costs the team. And that's something that Richard Sherman talked about with Devontae Adams on the Chris Collinsworth podcast last week. And we listened to a little bit of that on this show. Right? Devontae Adams runs a bad route. Doesn't matter. Jalen Ramsey is bad in coverage for one play. That can be six points in the difference in a game. So when I say that Devontae Adams won this matchup against Jalen Ramsey, yeah, but I think he was always going to win. Wide receiver is in an advantageous position, which is why playing cornerback is so, so, so hard. And playing defense in the NFL is so, so hard. And talked about this last week. Again, defense is a weak link system, right? Defense is uh, defined, excuse me, by its worst players and its worst plays. If we look at the defensive performance of the Rams, we're not going to look at oh, a great play that Aaron Donald made up the middle for a a no gain. We're going to look at the play where Jalen Ramsey got crossed up on the goal line and gave up a touchdown. Defense is defined by its worst plays and its worst players. Offense is defined by its best players and best plays. We don't talk about the Lazard drop. Don't really focus on it. We talk about his touchdown catch. We don't talk about Aaron Rodgers' missed throw to MVS. We talk about him literally pump faking Leonard Floyd on the goal line and beating him to the pylon like he's playing pickup basketball, right? Getting a defensive end off their feet on a, on a pump fake. Offense, all about the good plays and the good players. Defense, defined by the bad plays and the bad players. And defense is a wildly inconsistent way to play football and win football games. Just ask Vikings fans when they have built through defense in the past. Defense is bound for a stinker every once in a while. The Vikings had one in 2016 against Philly. The Bears had two stinkers against the Packers where they just, they just didn't know what to do. You cannot consistently win through defense. And as great as the Rams are on defense, their goal, their their mission next year is going to be more consistent on offense. Not double down and, oh, well, we got to get better against the run. And 
we got to get another good corner. No, 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 no. You're, you're focusing on the wrong thing. As much as I'd love to talk about how Devontae Adams beat Jalen Ramsey like a drum and prove that he is a dominant wide receiver and no one's capable of checking him, that, that's just not a worthwhile argument to make because that's not what football is about. Wide receivers should always win battles against elite cornerbacks because really the, the measuring stick for success is only three or four good catches and maybe a touchdown. And Devontae Adams surpassed that on Saturday. I almost said Sunday. It's kind of nice to have a Packer game on a Saturday. A lot more time to relax on Sunday. Just hang out and, and chill and go to church in the morning, run to, run to the store and get some, get some chicken or, you know, cook a big meal. Plenty of time on Sunday to relax with the Packers playing on Saturday night. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about the Packers running game because I think the running game defined this game much more than Devontae Adams and, and Jalen Ramsey did. Of course, the running game wasn't the story going in. So, of course, we talked about Adams first. Let's take a break. We'll talk about the running game and the Packers offensive success in this game on Saturday in the division around. Coming up next year on the Wisco Sports Show. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> Wisco Sports Show rolling on. Packers get a big win on Saturday night, and we're just we're just celebrating. Maybe borderline gloating, although I don't think so because I think to gloat you need to you need to target that at someone. Like I get, I got no ill will towards Rams fans, Vikings fans. Bear, bear, no, 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 no. We're not, we're not gloating. We're celebrating. So you can join in on the celebration if you want to shoot me a tweet at Wisco Grant or a text six zero eight seven nine six two five five eight. Coach Wench smartly points out that Jalen Ramsey didn't even cover Devontae Adams that much last night. They moved him around quite a bit. And no, he wasn't matched up on him. I I, and I wish I had the numbers in front of me, Coach Wench. Uh, I do not. Adams said in his postgame presser that he only covered him a handful of times. He certainly moved him around, um, which is another reason this whole argument is overblown. Right? Like that, that was kind of the point before we took a break is, yeah, a- Adams had a good game. But I think he was always going to have a good game. Like, wide receivers should have good games. That's how football is designed. That's how offense, defense, that's how that dynamic works. And Coach Wentz just adding another good point. Jalen Ramsey didn't even follow him on every play. He, he covered him here and there on the goal line, and there was a couple of plays where they were matched up directly at the line of scrimmage. But that's the kind of thing you need to, you need to look for and watch for. Uh, it, it, you can't just assume that Jalen Ramsey travels, because he doesn't. And Jair doesn't either. You know, at least not the entire game. And they might play a majority of the snaps matched up with a particular wide receiver or player, but it's typically not every play throughout the game. There's not a lot of corners that, that play that way, and not a lot of defenses that play that way anymore either. Uh, Brandon Staley, the Rams defensive coordinator, who's now going to be the head coach of the Chargers, but that's not really the defense that they run. They design their coverage, you know, a lot of zone, like you said, and then they kind of let their, their defensive front work by themselves, which is opposite of the way defensive coordinators have done defense for a long time. Typically, you build your team from the trenches back to the safety position, right, front to back. But the Rams have done it, you know, in reverse. They've built their their secondary and their coverage, and they design all of their looks and their schemes through their secondary, and then they just kind of let their defensive line fill out itself. And when you have Leonard Floyd and Aaron Donald, right, that's not necessarily a, a terrible strategy. I appreciate your text, Coach, 608-796-2558. You're always keeping me, keeping me on my toes. Packers won 32 to 18. I said to start the show, I think this game took a very predictable trajectory. I think this is the game we expected, right? The Packers jump out to a lead and the Rams are kind of helpless to to try to play from behind. And I give Jared Goff a lot of credit. He didn't play that poorly. He was 21 and 27 and he didn't have a turnover. 
Now, he only threw for 174 yards, which is kind of what Mitchell Trubisky did in Week 17. He completed a lot of balls and, and seemingly was efficient and accurate, but couldn't play at the pace and at the caliber of Aaron Rodgers, which is really the whole idea of the game, right? If Jared Goff and the Rams are going to beat the Packers, they have to score with the Packers. And you're just not going to do that three, four yards at a time, which is essentially what it amounts to when you're completing 21 passes for 174 yards. I understand that math is is far from precise, but you get my point, right? He completed a couple balls down the field, but certainly not enough. And today we've spent a lot of time and we'll spend a lot of time this week talking about Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and the Packers defense. And we're going to talk about a couple specific players on that Packers defense coming up later in the show. You know what I want to talk about today? They had a surprising good performance on Saturday. I want to talk about the running game. I want to talk about the Packers running game. Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, A.J. Dillon. Heck, I mean, Aaron Rodgers rushed in a one-yard touchdown, too. Now he finished with minus three rushing yards because they had him do the kneel downs at the end and and not Tim Boyle. But they were able to rush the ball effectively all game long. Throw Rodgers out of it. Between Jones, Williams, and Dillon. And that surprised me just a little bit. The Rams were the fourth best in the NFL this season, allowing only 99 rushing yards per game. They were fourth best. Now, interestingly enough, Tampa was first, so we'll have to talk about that as as the week rolls on. The Rams were fourth best in the NFL, under 100 yards per game allowed, and that makes sense, right? They have Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd up front, like I said, and, and a good rotation of names that maybe most people don't know, myself included, but some pretty sturdy, solid players up front, so it makes sense. Green Bay had 188 rushing yards and 12 rushing first downs. They were moving the sticks constantly, and it wasn't really dramatic. Like, we weren't really having to hold our breath. Even if they got to a third down scenario, especially third and short, it was a given. They were picking it up on the ground with run one running back specifically. More on that in a minute or two. The Packers were rushing 5.2 yards per rush, and that's what drove this game. Aaron Rodgers was completing passes to to Devontae Adams, and he had a deep shot to Lazard, which was nice, and Tunyon right before halftime. He was pushing the ball down the field, and MVS had a couple nice catches and yards after the catch type plays. But this game was really established and, and, and driven by the running game. The running game made life easier on the offensive line, which made life easier on Aaron Rodgers, which made life easier on Devontae Adams, Marquez Valdez, Scantling. St. Brown didn't have any run in this game, but theoretically it would make life easier on him too, and and, and Tunyon and Lazard. You get my point. The running game really set this team up for success and set this offense up for success. 188 total rushing yards. And the yards were, were great. But I was amazed by this running game for a different reason. And it really doesn't have anything to do with statistics. Packers fans, you might have noticed this if you were watching closely. It might have jumped out to you. And it cracks me up. Because all year, Packers fans, we've had this vision for what the running game was supposed to look like come December and come January, right? We're like, well, just wait until later in the year when they have a three-headed monster of a backfield and Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, but then they turn A.J. Dillon loose in the snow too and they'll rotate him through and they'll keep him fresh and God, when December and January comes around, it's it's going to be amazing. And we were saying that back in September and October. And fans say this all the time. The visions of fans don't typically come true. Like normally we we blow smoke up each other's butts and we have beer at the local bar and, and we talk about, oh, we'll wait till December when A.J. Dillon will really, you know, hit his stride in the cold. Right? Typically, it's just BS. I remember a couple of years ago before I was ever doing this show. This had to be like four or five years ago now. Before I was ever doing this show, I was doing my own podcast, right? Trying to get into to radio and sports talk. And, and I remember doing this segment about the ideal version of the Bucks and what I was trying to do, the Milwaukee Bucks. What I was trying to do is project two or three years down the road 
at, at what the ideal version of the Bucks was going to be. And it was some amalgamation of Giannis, obviously, but then Jabari Parker and Thon Maker and Rashad Vaughn and all these pieces were going to fit nicely together and it was going to work and it was going to be this beautiful, unstoppable, dominant brand of basketball. That never even came close to happening. In fact, the only player whose name I mentioned in that group is Giannis. Rashad Vaughn is gone. Thon Maker is gone, as is Jabari Parker, who's in Sacramento. He can't even get minutes as a member of the Sacramento Kings right now. Their bench is garbage. They're running Corey Joseph out there. You get my point. Fans say stuff all the time, and it typically doesn't come true. But on the 2020-2021 Packers, we nailed this. We did it. Give yourself a pat on the back. Because what is currently happening with this Packers running game is what we have envisioned all year long. A three-headed monster of a backfield in which every running back provides something different. Brings something different to the table, right? Aaron Jones is the big play guy, and he's great in the passing game, and you can line him up everywhere else. Jamal Williams is your third down back. A.J. Dillon is physical, and he's a punishing runner. And also all year long, we talked about getting two of these three running backs on the field at the same time. Let's get Jones and Williams out there together, or Dillon and Jones out there together, and they actually started running 21 personnel with split running backs in the backfield and one tight end. It was it was beautiful. And it like we spoke this into existence. We've been saying this all year long. And it was pretty even between the three running backs. Aaron Jones had 14 carries. Jamal Williams had 12. A.J. Dillon had six. I got to think A.J. Dillon finishes with around 10 carries because I think he probably gets some run in that last possession, which is kind of garbage time. But he got hurt. He banged up his quad. I, I saw Mike Florio reporting right before the show that it doesn't look to be serious with A.J. Dillon. I don't know what that means for this week. Um, and obviously you can talk about two, three weeks down the road if the Packers make the Super Bowl too. It doesn't seem like it's going to end the season for him, we hope. But I think if this game goes normal and A.J. Dillon doesn't get banged up, Jones has about 14 carries, Williams has about 10 or 11, and A.J. Dillon has 8, 9, 10. It's very balanced, and all three of these running backs provide something different. Let's talk about these three guys. Aaron Jones, let's start with him. He is going to make it very hard for the Packers not to pay him because he is dynamic. And you can get good running backs that aren't necessarily dynamic. Aaron Jones will turn a six-yard run into a 60-yard run. Whereas Jamal Williams or A.J. Dillon will take a six-yard run and turn it into 12 or 15. And that's great, but your offense hits a ceiling when you don't have a player that can hit a home run. Dalvin Cook can hit home runs. Derrick Henry and Christian McCaffrey can hit home runs. And Aaron Jones can. He hit one in this game. He started the second half with a 60-yard run that bumped the Packers' win probability like 6 or 7% just in the snap of a finger like that. That's why big plays are so important is because big plays like a 60-yard run is going to cover up warts and other issues that, that appear in the game just because when you get a 60-yard run, I mean, that, that boosts your chances of winning significantly. Flips field position. It almost, you know, especially with a kicker like Crosby, it almost guarantees you points. A player that can make big, dynamic plays like Aaron Jones you you just don't let him go. And, and he's making it real tough on the Packers to, to save money and to let him go. Jamal Williams, he had 12 carries in this game. He had 13, but one was called back because of a hold. And, and what amazes me is of his 12 carries, three came on third down, and he picked all of them up. Like He had a third and three, third and two, third and one, and he became their short yardage third down back. And they trusted him to run the ball and pick that up, even against this Rams defense and this Rams offensive line. And he followed through. In fact, three of his carries came in garbage time on that final drive. So if you if you take those off the top and you just look at his nine competitive carries that he had in this game, three of them, 
30% of them came on third down. So Jamal Williams has grown into this role that Packers fans have always spoke about and envisioned for him. He's your third down back, pass pro, short yardage, physical runner, who's never going to make mistakes. And the Packers trusted him on third down big time on Saturday in a playoff game. Packers fans, nailed it. We got it right. A.J. Dillon, I don't have as much to say because he left early. He had six carries for 27 yards, which is four and a half yards per carry. I just hope he's okay. That fumble was a bummer, but it's a good time for it, and it was a good bounce, and Aaron Rodgers was able to get back on it. So hopefully that fumble means that we're not due for another bad luck fumble in a week or three, you know, if the Packers are lucky enough to make the Super Bowl. The Packers moved the ball through the running game this weekend, and that made life easier on Aaron Rodgers and the offensive line and the wide receivers. And Aaron Rodgers is going to need to have his life made easier next week as well against Tom Brady and the Bucks. He's going to need some support, and if they can't run the ball... That's concerning. Tampa Bay was the number one rush defense in yards per game this entire season. LA was fourth. So they're going to be upgrading. They're going to be going against a tougher opponent this weekend. They're going to need to be able to run the ball. So I hope Matt LaFleur and company, they're just they're just scheming, scheming away on how they can use Jones and Williams and Dylan together, possibly in two, three running back sets. We saw a lot of 21 personnel on Saturday. That means two running backs and one tight end. You know, they need to be able to find a way to manufacture success in the running game. And, and that should be probably their biggest focus this week because we saw it pay dividends on Saturday. Uh, let's take a break. We'll talk about some of the other games around the NFL. I'll give my thoughts on Baltimore-Buffalo, Cleveland-Kansas City, New Orleans-Tampa Bay, really briefly, just kind of for fun, to take a break from the Packers. And then we'll get back into Green Bay right after 5 o'clock. More of the Wisco Sports Show coming up. show rolling on it is an amazing day to be a Packers fan and folks it is an amazing day to be a Jimmy Buffett fan as well it's always a good day to be a Parrothead I don't know if you noticed last night during Saints Buccaneers playing a little Buffett that came back from break with this song and what's amazing this isn't even like okay everybody plays Margaritaville yeah awesome oh five o'clock somewhere I love that song no 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 this is this is reaching back a little bit farther this isn't a deep cut Volcano is is rather mainstream, even among Jimmy Buffett casuals, but still reaching a little bit. And I appreciated that from Fox last night. They always got the good bumper music going. Grateful Dead, and they played Tedeschi Trucks last night, too. It's always cool to hear Susan Tedeschi on, like, mainstream TV. Like, that's awesome. Good for Fox. So that just kind of put me in a great mood. And I saw some tweets last night who tweeted back at me, at Wisco Grant. I'd like to think that we have lots of parrot heads that listen to the show. At least some listeners that I talk to here and there, so... I think this is just a this is a good place to be for paired heads today, and a good day to, of course, celebrate a Packers win. Just just do a Jimmy Buffett show. Thirty two to eighteen, they won in the division round, and I want to take a break just for a couple of minutes before five o'clock to talk about some of these other games because we have to appreciate the NFL and we have to give a shout out to the NFL because they have stepped up big during the pandy the pandemic. They have been amazing and. and Really, I mean, think about it at at more of an individual level, a personal level. These players have sacrificed a lot to be away from their family and their friends and really do nothing for the sake of staying healthy to play football, which I know is their job. Most of them love it. It's their passion, or at least it's their paycheck, which is great. But it's, it's also for us, and I think we need to be thankful for that. Like, these coaches, players have all stepped up, and, and some coaches and organizations like like Sean McDermott with the Bills or Kevin Stefanski with the Browns, just adding interesting storylines into the NFL this year. And it's it's been it's been awesome. Great division around matchups, and championship weekend is going to be stupid awesome. Bills Chiefs seems like a classic 
AFC matchup, something we haven't seen in a while. And then Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers to go to the Super Bowl at Lambeau, and it looks like it's going to snow. <laughs> I don't I don't even believe it. I, I won't believe that it's real until it happens on Sunday. I that That's that's the level of excitement that, that that game brings, and both of these matchups bring. It's going to be amazing. And I thought, take a break for a couple of minutes from the Packers and talk about some of these other games. Ravens-Bills, the game that immediately followed Packers-Rams. This game took a while to get off the ground. It was 3-3 three to three at halftime, but that's okay. I, I don't know about you. I needed a minute after the Packer game because in my excitement, I maybe perhaps overdid it. Um, liquor, beer, the moon mans were flowing, you know, and with every score, it's like, okay, another one. Like, oh, you want to do a shot? Oh, my God, another. Okay, fine. Packers are winning. And then you get out the big victory cigars, and now, okay, well, now you're ready to tip over. I needed to collect myself after this game. Let's just say you can take some deep breaths, drink some water. So I didn't get to this Ravens-Bills game at halftime. I was following the score, but I didn't. I, I tuned in at 3-3. And then as soon as Buffalo took a 10-3 lead, I, I knew that was it. I knew that was it. And Buffalo went on to win 17-3. I said it last week. I don't know why everyone was so bullish on the Rams out of nowhere. Or on the Ravens, excuse me. Like, the Ravens were a middle-of-the-road like limited but interesting team in the AFC for the entire season. And they dealt with COVID, which maybe clouded the way that we view this team a little bit. Don't get me wrong. It's tough to evaluate a team when they miss games and they have kind of a a bump in the middle of the schedule. You're not really sure what to do with it. I mean, Trace McSorley and Robert Griffin III are playing it. I get it. You can't evaluate that team. But the Ravens got beat by just about every good team they played this year, not named the Browns, and even that game was close. And they showed no ability to pass the football, ever. They fell down by seven points, and I said, well, that's it. Like, it's done. Because they can't score, especially in Buffalo. They were were driving the length of the field to come back, and Lamar Jackson getting hurt was a bummer, but I I don't think it changed the outcome of this game at all. I I was surprised at how many people were high on the Ravens last week, and I think I was pretty clear about that on the show. Wasn't I? Like, no, no, no. That was was Bills all the way. I think that was the easiest pick of the weekend. Cleveland, Kansas City. That was the Sunday afternoon game. Yesterday afternoon. Obviously, the story is the Mahomes injury, and you hope he's back and healthy next week. Chad Henney comes in, and Andy Reid calls this ballsy pass on fourth down to clinch it, and it was awesome, and it was great. And I, given, if Mahomes doesn't get hurt, Kansas City probably wins this game by a couple of touchdowns going away because that's the way that it was headed. And if Patrick Mahomes doesn't get hurt, no one single play in this game really makes a difference. But, but, Patrick Mahomes did get hurt, and we need to view this game through that scope, right? The idea that Andy Reid and Kansas City had it all along Never a doubt. I I don't know about that. And I and I give them major props for pulling off that fourth and one completion at the end to clinch it. Don't get me wrong. They, they did that. Yes. But the idea that there was never a doubt. I If you replay this game with, with two small changes, two very reasonable changes. One, Cleveland taking the ball to start the game and not deferring to the best quarterback and one of the best offenses in the league on the road. I didn't get that. So let's say Cleveland takes the ball to start the game. And at the very least, they run some clock and they flip field position. Maybe even get a field goal. Okay, make that switch. And then Higgins fumbling through the end zone. If you change those two plays, we could very well be sitting here today talking about a Browns win. And I understand that's because Mahomes got hurt, but that kind of thing happens in football games. And to say that this was never in doubt, I I don't know. Once Mahomes got hurt, this game was put under the microscope. And if you change one or two little details, the, the Browns might be in the AFC Championship game right now. Now, Granted, Mahomes doesn't get hurt. Chiefs are never in danger in that game. But that's not how it went. So I, I want to view it accurately. I don't want to be revisionist about, about the way we look back at this game. Final game of the weekend. 
was Tampa Bay, New Orleans. One final game of Drew Brees delusion. That's how I look at this game. He had three interceptions, and he looked terrible. And I'm not personally going after Drew Brees here, but he was really, really bad. And did you hear Troy Aikman all night? Like, he just couldn't help himself. Like, oh, look at that bad route as the ball is thrown at the feet of a receiver. Like, yeah, why wasn't he crawling? <laughs> like, Jared Cook, knows, he needs to know that he should crawl across the field on that route. Like, no. Drew Brees is off target. It wasn't the fault of his receiver, although Jared Cook fumbled and dropped a pad. Jared Cook was bad. But last night wasn't, like, this is not the fault of the receivers. This is on Drew Brees. And the thing is, last night wasn't out of character for Drew Brees. He's done it three years in a row. Yet anytime Drew Brees makes a bad pass, it's like, well, that's out of character for Drew Brees. No, it's not. That's as in character as character gets. Right? That That's like Giancarlo Esposito playing a villain. He's been Gus Fring. He was the bad guy in The Mandalorian. That's not out of character. That's who he is. That's what Drew Brees does. He's melted down in the playoffs the last four years. His arm hasn't looked strong enough. He hasn't been athletic enough. That's who he is. He's lost it. Case Keenum, Jared Goff, and Kirk Cousins the last three years. Two of those games at home. So I don't I don't want to hear that, oh, this is out of character for Drew Brees, or he got unlucky again. No, 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 no. Neither Brees nor Brady were awesome last night. Brady's mistakes just didn't come back to bite him because he got to start on the 15-yard line a couple of times interceptions and they had a punt return touchdown call back. That was an interesting wrinkle in the game as well. That might've changed some things. So I, I drew Brees is an all time great. And what he did for the city of new Orleans, he stabilized that franchise that, that didn't even, they didn't even make the playoffs or win divisions, let alone, you know, contend for a super bowl. And he really changed the expectation and, and what we thought of new Orleans in the last two decades. Don't get me wrong, but he, he was not it the last couple of years in the postseason. I'd be interested if you replay that game with Jameis Winston starting how it goes because the Saints that's a really good team but Drew Brees just he's just he ain't it you know he's not there that's not him so let's roll on take a break and get back into the Packers coming up after this I want to talk more about the defense couple of players who had a great game uh I want to talk about Aaron Rodgers and hear from him as well getting a phone call and we'll get to that on the other side of the break as you can <laughs> hear the ringer let's take a break get back into the Packers get to some calls coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show Don't worry, Mom. 